beautiful people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. everybody welcome to chronicles abroad i am your host nubia and i'm francis and we have a fantastic show for y'all today and i must say that this episode is um warm and dear to my heart because this is one of my girlfriends that i've met abroad who just recently published her first book she is a single nomadic mother of a young teenage son who is 13 years old and i am excited to have her on this show to talk about world schooling. Yeah, we're super excited. Thank you, Daniela, for being on the show. And we're looking forward to hearing what this world schooling is about, hearing a little bit about your book and your adventures with you and your son. All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Daniela C. Gibbs. Yes, mother of my 13-year-old son, Jaden. <laughs> okay, so Daniela, we met here in Chiang Mai. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about the leading up to your move abroad and how did that come about? Can you just give us a little background on that? Absolutely. So I uh, initially left December 2016 and it was not something that I just did spontaneously. It definitely was something that I was looking forward to that entire year. And I did move for various reasons, health reasons, political reasons, psychological, uh, but the, the number one catalyst actually behind it all was for my son just taking that idea of world schooling to a whole nother level and really bringing the world to him. He's a reason for everything that I have done so far. So tell our listeners, what is world schooling? Uh, world schooling is pretty much the concept of just allowing the natural experiences of traveling the world be the base of found, uh, of education for my child or for your children. And so it's usually a compilation of various methods, I would definitely argue. We have homeschooling method, we have the online virtual school method, we have children who decide to still go to the traditional brick and mortar schools abroad, you know, international schools, maybe for a segment or two, wherever they're at in the region, as well as maybe some forms of unschooling in the mix or solely unschooling. I was going to say for our listeners who don't really understand the whole concept of world schooling. So there's various different methods that they could take to allow their child to get a full education while traveling abroad. Because a lot of yes. people say, oh, you know, I want to travel abroad or I want to live abroad, but my, you know, but my kid is still in school. So I'm just going to wait for them to graduate high school and go to college before I do this. So this is a, a means and a methods um, for you to use that you can actually take your uh, child or younger child abroad and still get the education that they would necessarily get in the States. So talk about, let's talk about a little bit about the first method. I would definitely say maybe the first method would be the natural, like the, the traditional brick and mortar school. You know, a lot of uh, expat families choose that option because that's just what we're used to. That's what we know uh, for the most part. So going abroad and just entering an international school, uh, people are familiar with the IB school and the baccalaureate that is outside of the the U.S.'s confines of the borders, you know, that is actually set up to be for expat or expatriate families. So that's one of the number one forms that a lot of people like to resort to, even if they don't do maybe an entire year, they just do a segment or, or two within that school year. They try to go that route. But before we move on to part two, when it comes down to international school, let's talk a little bit about the pros and cons, because international mm, school yes. can be pretty expensive, is it not? Absolutely. You know, in the States, we've been quite spoiled with having free public schooling. It is one of those things that I had to adjust to myself. When we first came out, we actually did take up the form of online virtual schooling for Jaden's 
second half of his sixth grade year. Just because I didn't want to interrupt those studies alone and I just chose our Florida virtual school, we chose that route to finish off that year. Then it's like, let's go ahead and immerse ourselves completely into the culture by going to an international school. And that is where I learned those pros and cons hardcore. First, you're paying for tuition. It's like paying for tuition for private school in the States. Granted, it depends on where you are in the world of exactly how that works, how expensive it could be or could not be. But being that my first leap was actually to Thailand, majority of the schools is something you have to pay for. Um, and they, they, they definitely range in pricings. I mean, if you do stick with maybe the IB school system, it gets quite expensive, even if you are still in the United States. It's a, it's a big charge. Yeah, it's super expensive because I was looking into it, too. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's just no way. And even if, let's say you are an English teacher and you work at the school, sometimes there are certain schools that will allow your child to go free or discount. But even yeah. then, it's still expensive. And we are spoiled by that. That's actually uh, the same with me. I was allotted the, the opportunity to have a discount. However, because I did work actually for a period of time with the sister school, it still was too expensive. I, I mean, I did pay, but I could not even afford the school that I was teaching at at the time. So he had to go to the sister school. And the sister school was still considered an international school. And that's something I would really like to just tap into quickly. We have to be weary when it comes to international because we have a lot of schools that play on that word loosely. They like to promote themselves as international schools. However, you might go and the entire curriculum is still taught in Thai. And it's just maybe that 10 to 25% English that they're supposed to be ha uh, having is all it takes for it to be considered international. And therefore, you might be walking in quite blind and realizing, wow, majority of the day, your child is not receiving any education because they don't understand the language alone. From there, what a lot of the schools like to do is tack on, well, here you go for X amount of dollars. You know, here's some private lessons after school or we can accommodate him to his own personal teacher during the school hours. And they try to do that, you know, obviously to look at it as a financial gain opportunity. And since, you know, you are passionate and caring about your child, a lot of families go ahead and pay that extra fee to have that. And it's an adjustment. You know, I can only imagine as a child going into an international school and everyone around you not looking like you, not speaking the same language as you. What was that like for Jaden? First, Jaden loved it, of course. The attention is exactly what any kid probably would want. And so he did love it. It was quite popular. Of course, that eventually died down. And let's be honest, my son is a little bit darker than most of the students here. And so now we have the comfortabilities that come about and name, start, uh, name calling starts. I'm not saying that's everybody's case. And there actually ended up being a happy ending to it all. Where, uh, but it, it took a lot of fight. It had to be a lot of teachers and the principal getting involved to come and educate the students about differences outside of their own culture because a lot of these students actually don't know their cultures outside of where they are. So unlike us coming from a very diverse region of the world and we're going somewhere that, that doesn't really teach that. So there was a lot of culture education that had to be implemented just for my son, just for my son to go to that school. You know, I find it interesting because it's, it is an international school. So you would the presumption is they're accustomed to having international students at that school. They're accustomed to having that conversation. But from what you say, that seems to not but be But I think that's a school. I mean, he's 13. I think whether or not he goes to a new school in a new city is going to be the same thing. Part of me feels like a lot of it also outside of just international schools, it's just school. Any child, regardless if they go to another city or another state, they're that new kid whether they're of the same or different culture or background, kids can be mean. At that age, you know, 10 through 16, it's really hard to adjust at first because you are that either new kid or, you know, you just don't be look like everybody else or, you know, something is diff different. So I think that regardless of it being an international school abroad or if it's a new school in the States, I think kids just have an adjustment period when it comes down to going to a new school. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just going to ask, 
what was that like? So you're, you know, moving abroad with your child and then, you know, how did your family respond moving away from that support system? You know, what was that like for you? It was a hundred percent exciting for me. No nervousness or worries on my part, but I've always been a little bit of the oddball in the family. My immediate family weren't quite shocked. I can tell you that because again, they're already so used to me being way out there and adventurous. But I, I will say that there were times where having your family, I, I started to respect it a lot more. I started to really appreciate it because of this distance. I mean, I've been away from my family for some time, but there's a difference between catching a quick flight or taking a quick drive down the road versus I'm on the other side of the world. Something comes about, I can't just call you and just run to your house for comfort. So I think a lot of that missing dynamic, I guess you can say, didn't come to my awareness until maybe months later that we were here. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, because given your background, your mom is from Germany. Yes. So you do have family abroad. Yes. So it's not something that's totally new to you in your dynamic. Right. And I do think that's maybe why it's harder for me to relate in that aspect. It's not so taboo to me already jumping between the two countries and growing up traveling already. I think that has a big part of to do why it's somewhat natural for us. Yeah. Versus so, someone else who's just taking the bleep on their own completely. Correct. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. For somebody who's listening who doesn't have that immersive kind of back cultural background where you have family that currently already lives abroad and you've been kind of traveling throughout your life, it is a little bit more difficult to leave what you would call your support, support team or support system. Because, you know, we think about it and we're like, yeah, we want to travel, but what happens when you really need help? Yeah. You know, who's there? And that's a valid, a valid concern. However, I feel like you build family as you travel. Yes. You know, that's mm -hmm. something that I feel like happens. But let's rewind and let's talk about the, the cons or. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Now, I won't necessarily say cons, but some of the things that people Challenges. have to consider. Yeah. Challenges. Some, some of the things that people need to consider before moving abroad with a child. So if you think yes. about it, you know, you move abroad with a child in America, you just can't take a child, and, and especially if you're a single parent, you're not married. You can't just take a child and say, bye, you know? <laughs> Can you speak right. a little bit more to that? Oh, yes. This is so important. A lot of people, when they talk about traveling, I mean, we love to create this beautiful narrative about the wonders and joys behind traveling. And, you know, when you are a parent, especially a single parent, it is most important for you to stay in reality. Please be realistic. So... I will give you some of my little instances uh, when it comes to my son. My son does not share the same last name as, as me. Um, so because of that, always having to prove that this is indeed my son, that is something that I face often. And this is something that most others would take offense to. Even I at first definitely took offense to it. Or you just don't think to carry these specific documents with you. It's just getting you know, a, a visa run or, or just wanting to fly to another country and visit always having a passport, not only passport, but the birth certificate in hand. There are also countries where you cannot go without not only the passport, but actually a separate document that should be notarized. And it's a form or a, a few sentences, it just depends on what country you're going to, where the, the absent parent needs to say, I know my son or daughter is traveling with whomever. And Having this notarized, and you have to carry that along with the birth certificate and the passport. So it's, there's a lot more as a single parent, especially a single parent with a child who has a different last name, that you have to be mindful of where you're going in the world and what you have on hand. Yeah. Even just getting the passport alone is not as simple as you would think. You know, the absent parent needs to, hands down, be 100% involved. And when we have parents who might not get along with each other or the absent parent is just nowhere to be found, it does not matter. You have to really jump through some hoops. Yeah. And yeah, to, no, to get, for real. Because I didn't travel with my children until they were 
after the age of 16 because Mm -hmm. I could not get the permission from my children's father prior to taking them abroad. And if I would have been like, well, forget that, I'm going to take them abroad and try to get a passport, it would have been like, er, you need to have a notarized letter giving consent from the absent parent, which I think is absentine because they're called an absent parent for a reason. They're freaking (laughs) absent. Right. (laughs) They're not around. That makes no sense. So... When you are in a situation as a single parent and you don't necessarily have um, a good rapport or relationship with your other half or the, the, ch- the children's, the other parent, it's really difficult to get permission to take them out of the country. So another, um, another thing about taking your kids out of the country is not a vacation, right? It's kind of like you want to give them a better quality of life. It's really yeah. difficult, especially in this world today. Our kids are not safe in the United States. Let's just yeah. be honest. The political climate is it's very harsh and volatile. Yeah, I mean, the school shootings and everything, it's a, it's a legitimate fear. Absolutely. And, you know, those things aren't happening abroad. And it's a serious consideration. You know, when I look back and I think about my son, I wish I went abroad. I had the opportunity to do so. But, you know, when you just you just don't know what you don't know. And I think if you have the opportunity, you should do it because especially if you want to do it, because it's really not as difficult or as impossible as we make it out to be. Yeah. And it might be a little bit more difficult with you being in Thailand. Right. So Asian culture might be a little bit more difficult. But Daniela, do you know anything about the um, school system in Europe? Because I hear a lot of pleasant things about children getting education in Europe and that it is inexpensive and it is a top-notch education if you really think about it. So I don't really know much about the European culture when it comes down to educating the children, but I've heard a lot of things that is good. Well, I mean, I haven't really completely experienced it myself. I will be moving there actually later this year to Germany, that is. So I'm more familiar when it comes to the German education versus the others. I I do know Finland is one of the top, if not the top-ranked education system in the world. Uh, So there are some really strong positives when it comes to the European education system. But again, it's, it's all... I wouldn't want to put a bubble over the entire Europe itself. I yeah. don't know what Spain is compared to Germany, compared to Croatia. I, I couldn't say that, and I don't have enough experience. <laughs> so we have, you know, we were throwing around the term unschooling because we have met some nomadic families who are unschooling, whereas mm-hmm. what you're doing is world schooling. So how do you put those two things together? Because I know that I think Jaden is, is doing a lot of things online. So can you just kind of paint a picture of what that looks like? Absolutely. So there's a big difference when it comes to unschooling versus the rest of the methods. And the reason why unschooling is categorized individually is because it is like almost 100%, if not 100% student-led. Or the child, whatever they're interested in, pretty much they just learn how they want, what they want almost wherever they want and when they just they have complete control it's 100 percent child-centered and unlike homeschooling where the parent acts like the teacher when it comes to unschooling there is no actual role of a teacher it's all about natural experiences that they learn from and as much as this sounds really taboo especially for us from the states who grew up with the traditional schooling system our children let's say if you never whenever went to daycare or, or preschool from ages one to four, one to five, when they before they entered kindergarten, they were unschooled. That's true. That's very it's, true. A, it's the most natural, most organic form. I do incorporate that into our method as well, but I don't do it wholesomely, such as just let him take this show and run with it. So when it comes to the unschooling, right, really quickly, let's go back to the world schooling. We were kind of talking mm-hmm. about the methods. We talked about international yeah, schooling. You just mm-hmm. mentioned homeschooling. And the other one is virtual schooling. And we yes. haven't really touched base a little bit about virtual schooling. So that's just like an online school where the teachers pretty much teach a curriculum online. Yes. Yes. For a lot of us who went to college, especially single parents who went to college, we had to take some online courses. It's the exact concept. So they are getting to have all of their state mandated curriculum at the base of their computer, the laptop. So those parents, I think it's a really good start, especially if you're completely new and if you have a lot of anxiety or such, it's a great place to start with. So that way it doesn't necessarily interfere with what the child knows curriculum wise. 
online schooling, there's tons, if not thousands. It's actually a big portion of my book that provides those resources. They are state, for the most part, they are state regulated because each state has different standards. And it's very important that wherever your child is registered at, they must still submit to those standards. They still have to go by those guidelines. So therefore, say with me, we are Florida residents. So we are actually one of the states where we have to send all of our information to the head of state to let them know what he's learning, how he's learning, test results, all of that, the whole nine yards. He has to report that even if he chose a complete homeschooling version. And the good thing about virtual schools is they do all that for you. You know, they, they keep all of that in the system. They report it for you. You don't have to really think about that. Um, and they just go to school. They have one-on-one time with the teachers. They have collaborative opportunities so they still have that social aspect as well it's just a really good platform and takes a lot of weight off of you as a parent i mean that's very useful so there are some things to consider when it comes to unschooling world schooling and you know when we did our research we found that there are some things such as like socialization can you speak a little bit more to what you think about that it's more or less the concerns that people have Mm -hmm. regarding you know, having a schooling that's unconventional yeah. in, in the normal sense. For sure. Absolutely. Socialization is definitely really, really important and something that I work on, I think, sometimes more than I work on his actual curriculum. I think that it varies. I will, I'll be very honest, it varies. When we first came to Thailand, we actually stayed in a place called Pisanaluk where it's more in the middle of nowhere. I did that purposefully because we wanted to have a more immersive experience within the culture. So therefore, he did lack a lot of those uh, opportunities to socialize just because a lot of the students there, the children in, in Pisana Loop, don't speak English. We decided to move to Chiang Mai after a year of immersed immersion, and it's been a lot better. So Making sure when you are doing these these options, such as homeschooling, virtual schooling, unschooling, it is still so, so important that these children have some form of socialization in their, their regular schedules. And so you can always get that from just going to parks, uh, the gyms. We go to get uh, ice skating, rollerblading. He does uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and violin with other students or other children, and even joins after-school programs that are not necessarily facilitated by schools that have that make you be enrolled in order to join. So you have to put in a little bit more effort when it comes to that part. And sometimes there are bigger cities that will definitely make it easier for them to socialize. And then other places where, say Chiang Mai, I feel like I struggle a little bit more with his age bracket. However, when it comes to the younger children anywhere from maybe two, three years old up to 10, there's swarms of them. They have meetups, they have activities. It's a daily occurrence for them. So they have a lot more. Well, I was going to say that I think that's the case anyway for a new family abroad, right? Is to look Mm -hmm. for different avenues and different things like meetups and groups, because even as a single parent, you need that socialization. Right. Yes. So it's both the, the parent and the child needed. So it's like looking for groups of other parents like yourself or families looking for groups geared to children, you know, education, whatever the case may be. Because I think that, again, it's a little bit more difficult being in a smaller city, like you said, where larger cities probably have a lot more to offer. So outside of that, you know, another one of the concerns that um, were raised about world schoolers or unschoolers is the isolation. So, Daniel, can you speak to a little bit about the isolation factor? I know that you have Jaden in a lot of activities and such, but do you still feel like is it enough or, you know, what's your perspective on it? I never feel like it's enough, but that could just be my own personal harshness that I have on myself. I ask my son all the time, you know, Jaden, you're inside all the time. And, you know, is there more that we can do? I I fear that, actually. I really fear that he's going to be isolated too much or there's an imbalance goes on too long for me to even realize and therefore have those negative effects. You know, it's speaking to my son. Fortunately, he is older, unlike those Jewish children most likely not to tell me like hey mom I need to go hang out like seriously I need to get up under from under this uh, roof but 
I definitely think it's so important for the parents to realize that you have to be involved and you are a lot more involved when you choose these alternative forms of education for your child. So you usually coming from the States and you have the traditional school system, you don't really think too much about that. The school system pretty much does it for you. They put out flyers about clubs and sports teams and sure, go ahead and join. They do all that thinking for you. So when you choose the unschooling route and the homeschooling route, virtual school, you really need to be all involved. I think it's actually a, a lot more involvement from a parent's side when it comes to making sure they get this wholesome experience all the way around the board when it comes to involvement as a human being in general. I think that's a great point. And that's something that Nubi and I had a conversation about prior to having you on was the qualifications. You know, what qualifications do some of these parents have to be able to support a homeschooling, unconventional educational environment for their children? Because that makes a huge difference. You know, some parents, you know, have more resources than others and some parents are more resourceful than others. And that's going to play a major role and the progression of your child's education. Oh, yes. Let me tell you, as, as smart as sometimes I would think I would be, I mean, half the time, Jaden and I are learning together. And I'm not kidding you. And it's been actually one of the best experiences of my life because it's also bonding. So I feel like with those parents out there who don't have the most privileged past or, or wherever they come from, Perhaps they didn't get the same sort of education, especially with the expectation of these children today. A lot of them get intimidated by homeschooling. You, you mentioned these things and they're just like, no, that's why it's not going to work. That's exactly why I wrote my book. Actually, it's one of the huge catalysts behind it is because I don't want people to fear that. There are communities out there. These communities are phenomenal. What they pr provide for you and just talking to these other homeschooling parents that's just been in the game since birth of the child. It's just amazing what they bring to you. The resources, Google becomes your best friend. Don't be afraid to just go out and say, I don't know this. And you go find it. It's so easy. It comes to the tip of your fingers as soon as you get done typing and push enter. And so I want parents to really understand like you're not alone. You're not the only one who's feeling like that. And the community really backs you. Worst case scenario, hey, you have online school to just do all that for you. So, and a lot of times with the online school, they have an actual assigned teacher that they will communicate with regularly. Yeah, and a lot of these online schools have certified K through 12 teachers. Yes. You know, so yes. these aren't just, you know, random individuals or anything like that. These are certified teachers. I also wanted to touch base about standardization because I think a lot of people get scared about, oh, will my son or child or daughter be tested at whatever level they need to be tested at? You know, what's your experience with that? When it comes to the standardization, especially like standardized tests, it's usually something that is state implemented wherever your child is registered to. If you're going for the, the brick and mortar school, uh, traditional school, you're going to be tested on whichever they are subscribed to. So if it's an international school, IB is going to be the IB standard. Uh, IB American, you'll have those American tests um, and everything of such. It just really depends where you are. And it's really, really up to you as a parent to do your thorough research to make sure this is about to go. For the other parent who does this more unconventional route, for my son, as an example, he doesn't take the uh, traditional online schooling form. He actually takes the homeschool version of Florida virtual school just so we do not have to fly back to Florida every year and take what we call FSAs because he will be required if he didn't take the homeschool version. When you do homeschool or subscribe as homeschool, including unschoolers, unschoolers have to subscribe as homeschool as well. Um, you therefore have omitted that. You no longer need to do the standardized testing. However, if you ever decide to go back into a public school setting or college, they want to take SATs, ACTs to go. I still think it's extremely important for the parent to consider that for your child's future and maybe take up some forms of testing centers. Even here in Chiang Mai, we have actual SAT, ACT testing yeah, centers like for them to go. Yeah, Kumon is international. Yeah, it is. 
Yeah. It, it is, but sometimes Kumon, like the one that's uh, local to me, is only going to be Thai-based. They actually mm. have English-based testing centers as well. So I don't want any parent to get discouraged when they go to a Kumon center and they just, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> this is nowhere English. They're, ev they're everywhere. Smaller cities probably don't have nearly as much or if any. That's something you must keep in mind. But it's, you know, a lot of the times there's just ways online uh curriculums or online resources that can help you establish some at-home tests just to help them a little bit stay more conditioned to the standardized way. So it'll prepare them when it's time to go back into that system. Okay, so let's break this down just really elementary for a parent that's listening right now and it's like, where do I start? Can you just give a couple of steps, you know, three or four steps that where you start at now we all we, we already know do your research um right but let's just say the general step-by-step -step kind of how to get it started absolutely well the very first thing that i would tell somebody is buy my book just kidding no i mean it has <laughs> all these resources plug girl, plug, plug plug <laughs> <laughs> to be honest that's why it's created uh but the very first step that I would actually say to parents is if they are wanting to take that leap, get into the communities, first and foremost. Uh, Facebook groups are phenomenal. Even if you identify with a certain sect of religion or some another form of identity, such as black and brown, there is a group for you. Find that group within that region that you're, you are considering moving to. Join it. Start talking, start speaking. I know it's really hard for us being in a day and age where we don't communicate nearly as much, but get off of the texting mode and just go back to typing and talking to people who are in the communities already living there. It's amazing how many people will be uh, just at your, just not necessarily disposal, but just resources for you to, uh, to help you, right? They're really resourceful, including people like Nubia and Francis. <laughs> Appreciate it. So, but you just, there's always people who's willing to help and willing to give you some, some steps for that particular region, because there is no one, two, three steps for every region. There just isn't, because I'm going to give you a completely different lecture when it comes to maybe going to Nigeria. Yeah. So I think there will be kind of a general step in a way, because regardless of what state or city you're in, would you not have to go into the school and say, OK, this is my thought. I would like to travel the world with my child. How do I maintain the education? So are you going to the school system um, initially or into the school that the child is currently in and saying that I'm moving abroad and I'm looking for it to homeschooling or international schooling or virtual okay. school. You get what I'm saying? Or do you talk yes. to a guidance counselor? Like that kind of thing. Like how do you get the ball rolling? If I want to do this, what do I need to do first? Okay. Just so real basic. The education portion. Yeah, I'm sorry. So for when it comes to the education portion of your child, the very first thing that I did was go to the school and say, hey, we're moving. I need those transcripts. And it's the exact same way that you would moving to a different state you know, or to a different school. You just go in, I need his transcripts. And when I say transcripts, you be sure to tell them if your child is, has maybe an IP or anything of like Jaden, for example, he's considered gifted. So he has a whole set of transcripts, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. um, so you need to be clear of everything. I need everything um, because they will make the mistake of maybe giving you bare minimum or copies. You need the actual uh, forms there. And you have to do some signing off uh, most likely a counselor, the guidance counselors are the ones who actually do control that portion. Um, and so that would be step one. And you can tell them when you're leaving. And like Jaden's school, they were really awesome. We were leaving maybe about a week or two before the school ended. So they went on ahead and said he's actually ready to take his final test for that particular segment. And they let him take his test ahead of time, even though he had to be isolated from his friends for the the final two days, they let him engage with them and then take his test to go. So communication with the school is key. You need to, because you also need that paperwork for when you go abroad. Mm -hmm. The first things that other schools are going to ask you for are the transcripts, including the medical records, immunization, go to the doctor. You got to get all of that information, no matter where you go. 
actually, in the country. There's some countries where you actually have to bring that in order to enter. Um, when it, uh, so that's the education portion there. If you decide that you want to go for maybe a virtual school option, uh, you have to first do the research, choose which option will be best for you when it comes to virtual school, and uh, you will have to register with them. Before you leave, it's much easier. Definitely much easier. Well, I subscribe to my actual state's okay. online virtual school, so therefore it's free tuition for me. Most states, from my research, it looks like majority of the states have a free option. Okay. Yeah, majority so. of them are free. Yeah. If you decide to go to a different state, like for Florida Virtual School, it's actually, it was the number one, it was the very first that did this concept. So therefore, it is, it, it's, it's pretty much the godfather of virtual schools. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people who actually opt for the virtual school, but they don't, they're not uh, registered within Florida, or perhaps we even have a, a world school version where they might be in any part of the world subscribing to it. It will cost for them. It's just all about really taking a look at those different things about the virtual schools, accreditation, the costs, uh, the curriculum. Those are a lot of those aspects I actually wrote in my book as well. So you know exactly what you're looking for step by step. So basically, yeah. read the book. So read the book. But also some of it sounds like if you're moving from one state to the next, this is information you're going to need anyway. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So because when I moved yeah. from from Boston to uh, Maryland, Silver Spring, Maryland, I had to get all that stuff, all the records, yep. transcripts, medical records, all that stuff. So it seems quite similar. So that's, for me, easier to digest. Well, I mean, it's, it's yeah. very different because I can't say that it's similar because you're just going right into another public school system. This is about really deciding and really paying attention to your child and what kind of mm -hmm. child you have and what schooling is going to benefit that child more. Well, I mean, in do terms you of put the them in international schooling? Do you put them in virtual schooling? Do you put them in homeschooling? Or do you do a combination of all three? Well, all four mm -hmm. adding the um, uh, unschooling to make up a world schooling um, environment. So I think that's the, the real nitty gritty of what do you want to do? You know what I'm saying? And how that's going to yes, work for your child, not what you want necessarily, because all of us would love to put our ch children in an international school. It's, 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 it's a world um, international education, right? So they're in school with people from different backgrounds for the most part. Um, yeah. But it's just about really paying attention to who your child is and what kind of schooling is going to work best for your child while you are traveling abroad. Yeah. So it's key to know, of yeah. course, your child's personality how they're going to respond to certain environments. And also what's key is understanding what your qualifications are as a parent. You know, what art can you offer? Because it sounds to me, you have to be a little bit more hands-on. So, you know, yes. unschooling and world schooling is not as easy, but to me it sounds pretty meaningful and fulfilling. Absolutely. Think about it as a parent, we should be doing that regardless if you're in the state or if you're yeah, somewhere else. True. And true. I'm guilty of it, you know, in a um in an African American household, it's more or less like do your homework. You yeah. don't really sit down at the table and be like, Tell me teach me what you learned today or let's do this together all the time. You know what I mean? Especially as they get older, we start being less hands on because we believe that mm -hmm. our kids are older and don't need us as much. But of a parent of young adults I'm just now learning that my kids needed me more <laughs> after the age of 13 than they did when they were younger than 13. Yeah, for sure. Yes. So really take that as a key point. But that's a good segue into really understanding that um, you do need to be a hands-on parent. You need to really pay attention to your child and find out what kind of schooling works for them. And also you need to um, really research the location that you're going to. Like, yeah. seriously. You know what I mean? Because sometimes as parents, we're very selfish. We're very much like, you know what? We're going here. So, Daniela, what was that conversation like with Jaden when you said, hey, I want to move abroad? Or did you ask, do you want to move abroad? Like, what did that conversation look like? Of course, I asked him. I always try to make Jaden feel, though, as though he's part of the decision making Um I said feel, and honestly, no, he is part of the decision-making. And to be honest, a lot of this is stemmed from Jaden. Jaden is not your average, at the time, preteen. He was already uh, in an IB World School prior to leaving, and I can tell that his curiosity was just feeding him. You know, unlike a lot of other kids, they might go online and they're 
playing games all day, which of course Jaden does too. But you know, Jaden is also, like I mentioned earlier, quite a bit of nerd. He's a proud nerd, he says. And I will go and he's researching places in the world and these kind of animals and this part of the region and all these different things. Like, what is this? Mom, wouldn't it be cool if we seen this or do this? And it's like, why not? Why not take this as this idea of world school, IB world school, and actually truly do world school. That it was my number one catalyst and what made me have the guts to leap. So he and was so, the one that started, actually. Whether he knew it or not, and I highly doubt he knew it. So <laughs> it was him. He planted those seeds in me. And so one day I actually just asked him, hey, what do you think? And he's like, oh, this is awesome. That was all the confirmation I needed as a parent. That's what's up. Yeah. So again, it goes back to really understanding your child's needs, wants, yes. and desires, and all of that good stuff. So let's let's dive into you know you're a single mom, but you also have other identities. You know. So yeah. <laughs> so how do you find personal time for yourself? Because you know when I lived in Boston, I had all my family members around. So I, if I needed a timeout, I could just drop them off my cousin. I had tons of cousins and little cousins, and he was totally fine. But you're abroad, so you may not have those avenues. So how do you find personal time for yourself as a mom? Because we do need to, you know, reset, regenerate, take some time for ourselves and reconnect and come back so we can be the best parents that we can be. So what do you do and how do you do it? Being here in Chiang Mai was a lot easier than it was when I was in Pisanaluk initially. However, just, just being social already, being in different groups, uh, Speaking with my uh, speaking with my coworkers at the school that I work for for a short period of time, being out into the neighborhood and having that, it's almost like you get adopted <laughs> by the people. And that's one thing we cannot forget is that humans are humans no matter what. So even though you're abroad, doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to find a, a virtual family. You're not going to find a nomadic family of your own. And that's what happens, especially when you are not necessarily from the location. People are there to help you. And I will give ties that credit because they swoop in and they're just, do you need sugar? Do you need fruit? Do you need anything? Do you need babysitting? Go have fun. You, you should go to this place. Old ladies telling you where you should go for a nightlife was very interesting. But, <laughs> you know, it, it worked out. So it, it, it happens coming to Chiang Mai, it became even easier because you just, you, uh, it's a bigger city and, uh, through the different groups and we had the thing Sunday dinners where actually I met Nubia, you know, and you meet all these other people who just like, Hey, can we take your son away and play basketball, play hoop a little bit? That's to me is a radar, like ding, 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 personal time. Yeah. So, and sometimes, I mean, also there's, um, a lot of millennials that are traveling that would love to do a little babysitting gig or maybe yes. you go into an all pair group and you do a part time up here. Somebody who comes into the house three days a week and helps your child with tutoring or cooking and stuff like that because you're, you're doing something else, um, trying to develop a career or something like that, wherever you are. So there are options. Um, yes. And I think that's within the states and outside of the states um, would be the same deal, correct? Most definite. Um, even with my son, I'm fortunate he is a teen. He's 13. He'll be 14 in a few months. Uh, he is of age, already has the maturity and whatnot to where he could be alone uh, for quite some time. I can easily just leave the house and go out. But for those other parents that I have met that have little ones, I, I stress to them, checking out a nanny or a pair and the first thing that they say is oh that's an extra expense well that's something that people don't realize when you are in a different country say thailand it's amazing how inexpensive, inexpensive it's affordable it is. yeah it's super <laughs> so affordable. affordable it's super yeah. i mean you can't even explain how affordable Thailand is until you get here i don't care how right. many videos or how many times i say it you spend quadruple the amount of in the yes. state. So it is totally affordable to get yourself a nanny or an au pair or a housekeeper or anything of that nature. Um, and not and not to say that that's a bougie or, or something thing to do. You're actually putting money into someone else's pocket. So you're helping the community. You're helping. You're helping. Yeah. And people Absolutely. Like, and, and people like that are looking for opportunities where they can, you know, find work for themselves. So what I've been hearing throughout this whole entire interview is that 
being a single mom and being nomadic abroad is absolutely 100% possible. Yeah, oh, and I yeah. think it's great. I think it's, I think it's amazing thing. what you're doing right now. I think it's Honestly, amazing. And let me just ask you one quick question. Um, and be honest. Do you feel like Jaden is getting a comparable or a comparable education abroad as he would have received in America? Being 100% transparent, the answer is hands down, yes. It's, I cannot compare. His education is way better. I have watched my son excel. And I don't mean to excel as far as grades, because he's always been an A, B student. Um, and I say B because Jaden. But he's always, for the most part, been an A student. And so I'm not comparing by grades. I'm just speaking as far as intellect through conversation. You can hear it. You can hear how much growth he's had just from being an international child versus where he was, where it was like, you're only allowed to grow X amount of, you know, because of these curriculums, because of these structures. They really honestly, I believe, hinder you. One of the things I talked about in my book as well is that do my throughout my own personal researches for other projects that I'm working on, you know, I love studying humanities and psychology and all these and, and different forms of history and one of the things that I love doing with my son and it's also our bonding time is that we share this together and this is the part where it's a little bit unschooling because we both are really into it and we both really try to engage in alternative perspectives and whatnot these are the exact things the very things that these children are not exposed to until they get to college if they get to college if they even get past maybe their freshman sophomore year and he's picking it up like this. He's, he sounds just like some of those students that I actually was at the round table within those discussion-based courses that I was taking. And it's just, it really blows my mind. Like these children can absorb and learn anything. We have been hindering them by, by going based on this structure that these people who don't even know my son has outlined and says he needs to learn at this pace. You have to throw that mindset away when you decide to enter the real world of world schooling, whichever way you do, because your child is a sponge. It really is. It's really true. And I know that there are some out there with, quote unquote, learning disabilities. And I really think those are the ones who are the most gifted. You just have to learn where they're gifted. They're probably a prodigy and something that we have been too, uh, too structured for them to even pay attention to. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's. It's a really good thing. I it, it's he's he's advancing. He's knocking out those core classes faster than he ever could in the states. Got it. And, and now I resonate with that because when you said you know those with learning disabilities are the most gifted because my son has a learning disability, and I you know during the college process you know I had to have a real conversation because I wasn't accustomed to. I would say unconventional or anything like that. You know, I went to college, I did the whole thing. That wasn't for him, you know? And so I had to find out what worked for him. And yeah. he's thriving in that environment because he's happy doing what it is that he wants to do. You know, of course, it's costing me an arm and a leg. <laughs> oh, don't right? kids cost okay. But he's, yeah. he's happy. <laughs> he's happy as a clam and he's living out his passion doing his music and thing. And so as parents, we have to just let that go. We have to listen to our kids. Yeah. We got to let our kids be who they're destined to be without us getting in the way of that rigidity. Yeah. I mean, and that also goes to tell you um, or show you how the quality of life is when you take the time out to listen, when you take the time out to truly understand, when you take the time out to do something different out of the norm and not be stuck in that box. You know what I'm saying? Because when I'm listening to you talk about Jaden's growth, I can see and I can hear you light up. And it goes to show that his quality of life is is at its peak. You know what I mean? Where in the States or in America, and I hate saying it like this because my kids are in America and I'm in Thailand, but our kids were constantly worried if they're going to come home, if they can get home. If they're going to be safe, um, you know, we're constantly looking on over our shoulders. We're constantly making, we're, we're choking and suffocating our kids, literally. But when you are abroad, you, you have some a, a sense of freedom. There's a bit of leeway yeah. in it because there's no, you know, when you, and I keep going back to record because that's my vantage point, but there's that, this linear process of 
of growth, you know. And when you talk about Jaden, he's having this like amazing exponential, <laughs> all, all these different vantage points and meeting different people. And you know, I you know I had mentioned one of something I wrote. I said, you know, your child can read about the Great Wall, or they could actually visit the Great Wall. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying. Those are two different things. I mean, yeah. even not even just abroad, right? And now this is weird, and I, y'all gonna call me corny. But when I moved, from, <laughs> corny. <laughs> when I moved from Boston <laughs> to Washington D.C., I used to get tear up because I felt so surreal that I was actually seeing the Washington mm-hmm. Monument. I actually seeing the White House while there was a black president living in it. I was actually there in these places where all I had known of these places was in the history books. Right. You get what I mean? So just that little bit of experience to me was a lot. It, I learned a lot living in Washington, D.C. and um, taking those walks and going to the museums and immersing myself in, in the district to really understand about the American culture in a way. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Absolutely. So I think it's important to show your kids something new, regardless if you plan to move abroad or oh if you plan on staying in the States. Get in the goddamn car and take a rock drive to another city or state. You yeah. know what I mean? Teach your kids it's a weekend yeah. getaway. Yeah. I think that's important. I think that's great because if you, you know, we're not saying go out and go unschool your child. We're not saying that. <laughs> no. What we're saying is expand their consciousness. Correct. Yeah. Because the world is so massive. And when your children get up, grow up, and they start having these interactions and these social, you know, socializing with other people, Sometimes, you know, kids don't even know how to socialize. But, you know, if you give your kids these ex- this exposure, it's going to make them a very well-rounded individual. And really, that to me is what makes someone excel, you know, yeah. personally, individually, uh, is, is if they're really well-rounded. I will say this, though. If you have a younger child, four, five, six years old, put them in a second language because they yes. absorb Oh, they're like sponges. They absorb so much and keep them doing it. Just to be bilingual is a huge asset as your child gets older. I I will say that I I am encouraging every single parent to put their child into a second language, especially if they have a younger child. But so, Daniela, this is going to be the big question that a lot of parents are listening to this are going to say, well, I don't have the money to do this. Mm -hmm. It sounds too expensive for me to travel the world with my child. You know, especially having a young teenage boy. They eat like garbage disposals. You know, you have to keep them busy. You know, whatever the case may be. They grow. What is that? Yeah, right. Oh, my gosh. But I mean, I mean, let's say in Thailand, you know, they don't need the the latest J's and stuff. They need some flip flops and they be cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much it. All the money you pour into them in America, you know, for just their actual attire, you don't have to do that living abroad. That's just my, you know, way of looking at it. But can you give us a little insight about what that looks like being a single mom, traveling with your son and the affordability of it all? Well, my son and I are actually, we're not 100% there, but we like to subscribe to minimalism, I guess you can say. It's an everyday practice getting better and better. Um so that already helps a lot when it comes to the financial part about it, because we want to stay as nomadic as possible. We want to be able to just up and go and or not get too comfortable or complacent somewhere because we have way too much of the world to discover together. But as far as everything else, when it comes to affordability, I wouldn't tell families or especially single parents. So the first thing you should do is up and go to, let's say, Switzerland, one of the most expensive places in the world. Let's not make that mistake. Uh, you can always go to these other places that really allows your dollar to stretch and there are numerous ways there are numerous ways to make income online we have a digital world this is the time and day and age where we can actually do that where we can live abroad and have virtual means of income so that we are still possibly making that American dollar, but yet living somewhere that that dollar stretches way further. Yeah. So it, and, and, and just to let our listeners know, the three of us are our teachers. Yes. So, yes. you know, Daniela, you teach online primarily. I teach exactly. online primarily. And 
Francis is a high school teacher here. And where all three of us are in Thailand, where it's extremely affordable to live. However, I think that the key point is to get out of the mindset that you need this much money. You know what I'm saying? Before you can do X, Y, and Z. Because I think that because you teach online, you have the opportunity to be an entrepreneur and and tap into your other creativities and become an author and and be an artist that you are and also homeschool and all of the things that as a parent in the States... We just never seem to have enough time to do because we're working from nine to five and it takes us an hour Mm -hmm. to get to work and an hour to get home. Then we got to get home and we have to cook and we have have to do this progress five to seven, you know, and I think that's the great part about taking, giving yourself a moment to, you know, take yourself outside of the environment because then you realize the amount of things that you can actually do. When you're not part of the environment and you've been able to do that, you've published a book, you've seen all these countries, you know, you've showed your son the world. And I think that's very powerful. I think it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's what I want parents to get from this, right? Is Yes. Because I think that's the number one thing that I hear people say is, I just need to bank this much more. I just, it's never going to be enough in your no, eyes, never. ever. You're going to continually say, I just need this much more. You can actually set yourself up while living in the States to mm-hmm. work remote, right? Like yes. be, I tell people all the time, teaching is not everybody's thing. But if you can start with that and then move mm-hmm. off into something else, or if you're into some kind of computers, such as graphic design or um, marketing, social media marketing, whatever, it's a huge network out there for freelancers. So yes. I think that as an adult, you know, when you're in the States and you're really considering moving out of the country, look at your hard skills or even educate yourself a little bit more to uh, gain another hard skill. Yeah, I mean, bridge those skill gaps. Mm -hmm. If there's something that you want to do, I mean, there's a lot of free courses. You can learn that stuff for free, essentially. Yeah. And then start building and then make a plan. Just make a plan. Take the emotion out of it and just use pure logic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the affordability is about where you are. Like you said, you can't go to Switzerland thinking it's going to be affordable. It's not. You you can't go to, I don't know, what's another really expensive? Um, New Zealand or Australia, you know? I will say this. If you are under the age of 35, Australia has a um, work visa that you could actually work there for a year. And Mm -hmm. they pay the most almost anywhere else in the world. I think their minimum wage is like $17 or $18 an hour. That's minimum minimum wage. wage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they have a high salary range. And they are really truly looking at equal pay for women Mm -hmm. and men alike. So if you are under the age of 35 listening to this podcast and you have a child, or if you don't have a child, um, you can tap into those kind of resources like Australia. It's too late for us. (laughs) (laughs) Too late for us, but it's just in time for you. (laughs) Hey. I can still make it. (laughs) Well, can we come visit? Can we come visit? (laughs) Despite the concerns, despite the worries, you know, it does not outweigh the experience. No, nothing does. Nothing. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list, and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. So, Daniela, you know, what advice do you have for single moms or just parents in general who are thinking about doing this, but they're still a little afraid. Well, I have an entire book of advice, so I don't want to take up that much time. Um, <laughs> I, the purpose of it was actually to dispel those fears and let them know they can do it and not just making it sound like peaches and cream, but actually putting resources right in their hands because I actually did the trial and tribulations and I did all of the different researches uh, through different uh, sites and, and things that are just there and I narrowed it down to ones that are really, really actually going to help you. Um, So I would say you can do it on your own. You can do that organic research and just get out of that fear by communicating with others, reading blogs. That's first and foremost. And there's books that are now out there, even for single parents, uh, that will help you and navigate you through and guide. 
up. But you, it's all about fear. I think that our number one and arguably maybe our, our only hindrance is really our fears. And we're so fearful that we're not going to make it up. We're not going to find a job abroad. We're not going to not, not, not. And we're sitting here. There's three, three people right here. It's like, yes, you can. And I'm so transparent and so honest. Like, this is not something I'm just trying to butter up. It's really important for especially single parents to overcome those social norms and stop being so subjected to what society tells you you're supposed to do or you should do. If you're able to, do it. And when I mean able, I don't necessarily mean um, you have all this stuff already laid out for you. I mean able as in physically. You have a, your child has a passport. Yeah. <laughs> go, go. Just you do gotta it. give it, just do it. Just do it. Yeah, do your research, read, you know, Talk and and that's a great segue for you to um, now, you know, tell us about your book because we you uh, referenced the book a couple of times during the interview. So now tell our listeners a little bit about We Travel Too, and that's T W O. Yes, we travel too, obviously, because it is me and my son, two people traveling the world. So it's all of the experiences and resources that are in that book is based off of these two individuals together. And of course, it's me and my son. Um, and I, the whole point of saying we travel too is because, well, we do know of single expats traveling in the world. We do know about the retirees. And we, we also know about expatriate families with the actual father and mother, the whole unit traveling the world. We never hear about the single parent traveling. It's like, no, 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 we travel too. We can do it too. Let me tell you about how we do it. And that's what this book is. It's not about addressing the, everything you need to know. It's, a, it's about a, a, or it's going beyond the depths of addressing what you need to know. It's, it's having those suggestions, telling you about things that you cannot Google because the single parent market is overlooked because it's just not enough or at least not a lot of us speaking out. So you can go to these other expat websites and they'll talk about all these different things of how to be a family abroad, but not so much of how to be a single parent abroad and the things that you're going to face, like of what I mentioned today, uh, those certain requirements from the, the absent parents mm -hmm. and everything that people don't talk about until you just get stuck out of order somewhere, you know, yeah. it's not fun. So the book is full of resources, obviously, for um, other parents or single mothers to really tap into the pros and cons, right? Kind of that passport issue, the having, you know, the, you know, so I mean, you're using all of your experiences, yeah. good and bad, and putting that into this book as a resource so that another single parent reading it doesn't have to always necessarily go through the same things that you already went through. Exactly. It's just a, pre it's a preventative measure. And the best thing about it, when you you target the ones who maybe travel the least because we probably have more concerns than the average family or individual out there. So we don't travel nearly as much. When you really target those people and you talk to us, uh, that means everybody else can also take complete advantage. Anybody can read my book and really have some hands-on knowledge. I want it to be that one-stop shop. I will be honest, it's not necessarily all of one book. It is a three-part series. The very first one that I just released is We Travel to the Resource Guide to Keeping Your Child Educated While Traveling. Yes. So I actually address the first and most important uh, hindrance to us. I, I attack that topic first, and it's an entire book because there's so much resources available, and I really, really put every little molecule of energy into making sure it could be that one-stop shop for parents. And the thing about it is we will have a part two and part three will be a three-part series altogether that will address everything else, including forms of income, passive incomes. It will include all the visa stipulations, giving examples of different parts of the world that you need a little bit more for your child that has an absent parent. It will address everything you can think of uh, through the whole series, but at least I want to get out the education portion first because I have talked to many parents who says, well, they have the opportunity to have a remote job or they're not even worried about that. Perhaps they actually work digitally already. The thing that hinders them right now is, well, education for my son, schooling abroad, how do I go about that? So I felt like this was the number one topic that really needed to be pushed out first. Nice. And we'll make sure that we have that link. 
for people to yes because the book is currently on pre-sale and will be rolled out in july i believe july yes that's awesome congratulations yes we are so proud of you awesome work thank you Thank you so much for being on the show, Daniela. Yes, thank you, Daniela. Just invaluable information, and I know we'll have you back, I'm sure. For sure. Thank you, Daniela, for being on the show. We really, truly appreciate you being on Chronicles Abroad and helping our listeners really, truly understand what it's like to be a nomadic single mother abroad with a teenage son. We look forward to reading your book. We look forward to having you back on the show, and best of luck to you. Thank you, Daniela. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com, for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.